0: chapter 6 part 1 of principles of geology this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by avai in june 2019 principles of geology by charles lyell chapter 6 part 1 doctrine of the discordance of the ancient and modern causes of change controverted climate of the northern hemisphere formerly different direct proofs from the organic remains of the italian strata proofs from analogy derived from extinct quadrupeds embedding of animals in icebergs siberian mammoths evidence in regard to temperature from the fossils of tertiary and secondary rocks from the plants of the coal formation northern limit of these fossils whether such plants could endure the long continuance of an arctic night climate of the northern hemisphere formerly different proofs of former revolutions in climate as deduced from fossil remains have afforded one of the most popular objections to the theory which endeavors to explain all geological changes by reference to those now in progress on the earth the probable causes therefore of fluctuations in climate may first be treated of that the climate of the northern hemisphere has undergone an important change and that its mean annual temperature must once have more nearly resembled that now experienced within the tropics was the opinion of some of the first naturalists who investigated the contents of the ancient strata. Their conjecture became more probable when the shells and corals of the older tertiary and many secondary rocks were carefully examined, for the organic remains of these formations were found to be intimately connected by generic affinity with species now living in warmer latitudes. At a later period many reptiles, such as turtles tortoises and large saurian animals were discovered in european formations in great abundance and they supplied new and powerful arguments from analogy in support of the doctrine that the heat of the climate had been great when our secondary strata were deposited lastly when the botanist turned his attention to the specific determination of fossil plants the evidence acquired still further confirmation for the flora of a country is peculiarly influenced by temperature and the ancient vegetation of the earth might have been expected more readily than the forms of animals to have afforded conflicting proofs had the popular theory been without foundation when the examination of fossil remains was extended to rocks in the most northern parts of europe and north america and even to the arctic regions indications of the same revolution in climate were discovered it cannot be said that in this as in many other departments of geology we have investigated the phenomena of former eras and neglected those of the present state of things on the contrary since the first agitation of this interesting question The accessions to our knowledge of living animals and plants have been immense and have far surpassed all the data previously obtained for generalizing on the relation of certain types of organization to particular climates the tropical and temperate zones of south america and of australia have been explored and on close comparison it has been found that scarcely any of the species of the animate creation in these extensive continents are identical with those inhabiting the old world yet the zoologist and botanist well acquainted with the geographical distribution of organic beings in other parts of the globe would have been able if distinct groups of species had been presented to them from these regions to recognize those which had been collected from latitudes within and those which were brought from without the tropics before i attempt to explain the probable causes of great vicissitudes of temperature on the earth's surface i shall take a rapid view of some of the principal data which appear to support the popular opinions now entertained on the subject to insist on the soundness of these inferences is the more necessary because some zoologists have undertaken to vindicate the uniformity of the laws of nature not by accounting for former fluctuations in climate but by denying the value of the evidence in their favor proofs from fossil shells in tertiary strata in sicily calabria and the neighborhood of naples the fossil testacea of the most modern tertiary formations belong almost entirely to species now inhabiting the Mediterranean. But as we proceed northwards in the Italian peninsula, we find in the strata called Subapennine an assemblage of fossil shells departing somewhat more widely from the type of the neighboring seas. The proportion of species identifiable with those now living in the Mediterranean is still considerable, but it no longer predominates as in the south of italy and part of sicily over the unknown species although occurring in localities which are removed several degrees farther from the equator as in siena parma asti etc the shells yield clear indications of a warmer climate this evidence is of great weight and is not neutralized by any facts of a conflicting character such for instance as the association in the same group of individuals referable to species now confined to arctic regions. Whenever any of the fossil shells are identified with living species foreign to the Mediterranean, it is not in the northern ocean, but nearer the tropics, that they must be sought. On the other hand, the associated unknown species belong, for the most part, to genera which are now most largely developed in equinoctial regions, as, for example, the genera cancellaria cassidaria pleurotoma conus and cypria on comparing the fossils of the tertiary deposits of paris and london with those of bordeaux and these again with the more modern strata of sicily we should at first expect that they would each indicate a higher temperature in proportion as they are situated farther to the south but the contrary is true of the shells belonging to these several groups whether fresh water or marine some are of extinct others of living species those found in the older or eocene deposits of paris and london although six or seven degrees to the north of the miocene strata at bordeaux afford evidence of a warmer climate while those of bordeaux imply that the sea in which they lived was of a higher temperature than that of sicily where the Shelley strata was formed six or seven degrees nearer to the equator, in these cases the greater antiquity of the several formation, the Parisian being the oldest and the Sicilian the newest, has more than counterbalanced the influence which latitude would otherwise exert, and this phenomenon clearly points to a gradual and successive refrigeration of climate. Siberian mammoths. It will naturally be asked whether some recent geological discoveries bringing evidence to light of a colder or as it has been termed glacial epoch towards the close of the tertiary periods throughout the northern hemisphere does not conflict with the theory above alluded to of a warmer temperature having prevailed in the eras of the eocene miocene and pliocene formations in answer to this inquiry it may certainly be affirmed that an oscillation of climate has occurred in times immediately antecedent to the peopling of the earth by men but proof to the intercalation of a less genial climate at an era where nearly all the marine and terrestrial testacea had already become specifically the same as those now living by no means rebuts the conclusion previously drawn in favor of a warmer condition of the globe during the ages which elapsed while the tertiary strata were deposited in some of the most superficial patches of sand gravel and loam scattered very generally over europe and containing recent shells the remains of extinct species of land quadrupeds have been found especially in places where the alluvial matter appears to have been washed into small lakes or into depressions in the plains bordering ancient rivers similar deposits have also been lodged in rents and caverns of rocks where they may have been swept in by land floods or introduced by engulfed rivers during changes in the physical geography of these countries the various circumstances under which the bones of animals have been thus preserved will be more fully considered hereafter i shall only state here that among the extinct mammalia thus entombed we find species of the elephant rhinoceros hippopotamus bear hyena lion tiger monkey macacus and many others consisting partly of genera now confined to warmer regions it is certainly probable that when some of these quadrupeds abounded in europe the climate was milder than that now experienced the hippopotamus for example is now only met with where the temperature of the water is warm and nearly uniform throughout the year and where the rivers are never frozen over yet when the great fossil species hippopotamus major cuv inhabited england The testacea of our country were nearly the same as those now existing, and the climate cannot be supposed to have been very hot. The bones of this animal have lately been found by Mr. Strickland, together with those of a bear and other mammalia at Cropthorne near Evesham in Worcestershire, in alluvial sand, together with twenty-three species of terrestrial and freshwater shells, all, with two exceptions, of British species the bed of sand containing the shells and bones reposes on lias and is covered with alternating strata of gravel sand and loam the mammoth also appears to have existed in england when the temperature of our latitudes could not have been very different from that which now prevails for remains of this animal have been found at north cliff in the county of york in a lacustrine formation in which all the land and freshwater shells, thirteen in number, can be identified with species and varieties now existing in that county. Bones of the bison also, an animal now inhabiting a cold or a temperate climate, have been found in the same place. That these quadrupeds and the indigenous species of testacea associated with them were all contemporary inhabitants of Yorkshire has been established by unequivocal proof the rev w v vernon harcourt caused a pit to be sunk to the depth of twenty-two feet through undisturbed strata in which the remains of the mammoth were found embedded together with the shells in a deposit which had evidently resulted from tranquil waters in the valley of the thames as at ilford and Grays in essex Bones of the elephant and rhinoceros occur in strata abounding in freshwater shells of the genera Unio, Cyclus, Paludina, Valvata, Ancelus, and others. These fossil shells belong for the most part to species now living in the same district, yet some few of them are extinct, as, for example, a species of Cyrena a genus no longer inhabiting europe and now entirely restricted to warmer latitudes when reasoning on such phenomena the reader must always bear in mind that the fossil individuals belonged to species of elephant rhinoceros hippopotamus bear tiger and hyena distinct from those which now dwell within or near the tropics dr fleming in a discussion on this subject has well remarked that a near resemblance in form and osteological structure is not always followed in the existing creation by a similarity of geographical distribution and we must therefore be on our guard against deciding too confidently from mere analogy of anatomical structure respecting the habits and physiological peculiarities of species now no more The zebra delights to roam over the tropical plains, while the horse can maintain its existence throughout an Iceland winter. The buffalo, like the zebra, prefers a high temperature, and cannot thrive even where the common ox prospers. The musk-ox, on the other hand, though nearly resembling the buffalo, prefers the stinted herbage of the Arctic regions, and is able, by its periodical migrations, to outlive a northern winter. The Jackal, Canis aureus, inhabits Africa, the warmer parts of Asia and Greece, while the Isatis, Canis lagopus, resides in the Arctic regions. The African hare and the polar hare have their geographical distribution expressed in their trivial names, and different species of bears thrive in tropical, temperate and arctic latitudes. Recent investigations have placed beyond all doubt the important fact that a species of tiger, identical with that of Bengal, is common in the neighborhood of Lake Aral, near Sussex, in the 45th degree of north latitude, and from time to time this animal is now seen in Siberia, in a latitude as far north as the parallel of Berlin and Hamburg humboldt remarks that a part of southern asia now inhabited by this indian species of tiger is separated from the himalaya by two great chains of mountains each covered with perpetual snow the chain of quenlun latitude thirty five degrees north and that of muztak latitude forty two degrees so that it is impossible that these animals should merely have made excursions from india so as to have penetrated in summer to the forty-eighth and fifty-third degrees of north latitude they must remain all the winter north of the mudstagh or celestial mountains the last tiger killed in eighteen twenty eight on the lena in latitude fifty two one quarter degree was in a climate colder than that of petersburg and stockholm we learn from mr hodgen's account of the mammalia of nepal that a tiger is sometimes found at the very edge of perpetual snow in the himalaya and pennant mentions that it is found among the snows of mount ararat in armenia the jaguar also has been seen in america wandering from mexico as far north as kentucky latitude thirty seven degrees north and even as far as forty two degrees south in south america a latitude which corresponds to that of the pyrenees in the northern hemisphere the range of the puma is still wider for it roams from the equator to the straits of magellan being often seen at port famine in latitude fifty three degrees thirty eight minutes south a new species of panther felis irbis covered with long hair has been discovered in siberia evidently inhabiting like the tiger a region north of the celestial mountains which are in latitude forty two degrees the two-horned african rhinoceros occurs without the tropics at the cape of good hope in latitude thirty four degrees twenty nine minutes south where it is accompanied by the elephant hippopotamus and hyena here the migration of all these species towards the south is arrested by the ocean but if the continent had been prolonged still farther and the land had been of moderate elevation it is very probable that they might have extended their range to a greater distance from the tropics now if the indian tiger can range in our own times to the southern borders of siberia or skirt the snows of the himalaya and if the puma can reach the fifty-third degree of latitude in south america we may easily understand how large species of the same genera may once have inhabited our temperate climates the mammoth e primigenius, already alluded to as occurring fossil in england was decidedly different from the two existing species of elephants one of which is limited to asia south of the thirty-first degree of northern latitude the other to africa where it extends as before stated as far south as the cape of good hope the bones of the great fossil species are very widely spread over europe and north america but are nowhere in such profusion as in siberia particularly near the shores of the frozen ocean are we then to conclude that this animal preferred a polar climate if so it may well be asked by what food was it sustained and why does it not still survive near the arctic circle Footnote: the speculations which follow on the ancient physical geography of siberia and its former fitness as a residence for the mammoth were first given in their present form in my fourth edition june eighteen thirty five recently dr sir murchison and his companions in their great work on the geology of russia eighteen forty five volume one page four hundred ninety seven have in citing this chapter declared that their investigations have led them to similar conclusions professor owen in his excellent history of british fossil mammalia eighteen forty four page two hundred sixty one at sequitur observes that the teeth of the mammoth differ from those of the living asiatic or african elephant in having a larger proportion of dense animal which may have enabled it to subsist on the coarser ligneous tissues of trees and shrubs in short he is of opinion that the structure of its teeth as well as the nature of its epidermis and coverings may have made it a meat companion for the reindeer pallas and other writers describe the bones of the mammoth as abounding throughout all the lowlands of siberia stretching in a direction west and east from the borders of europe to the extreme point nearest america and south and north, from the base of the mountains of Central Asia to the shores of the Arctic Sea, see map figure one. Within this space, scarcely inferior in area to the whole of Europe, fossil ivory has been collected almost everywhere, on the banks of the Irtysh, Obi, Yenisei, Lena, and other rivers. The elephantine remains do not occur in the marshes and low plains but where the banks of the rivers present lofty precipices of sand and clay from which circumstance pallas very justly inferred that if sections could be obtained similar bones might be found in all the elevated lands intervening between the great rivers Strahlenberg indeed had stated before the time of pallas that wherever any of the great rivers overflowed and cut out fresh channels during floods more fossil remains of the same kind were invariably disclosed as to the position of the bones pallas found them in some places embedded together with marine remains in others simply with fossil wood or lignite such as he says might have been derived from carbonized peat on the banks of the yenisei below the city of Krasnoyarsk, in latitude fifty-six degrees he observed grinders and bones of elephants in strata of yellow and red loam alternating with coarse sand and gravel in which was also much petrified wood of the willow and other trees neither here nor in the neighbouring country were there any marine shells but merely layers of black coal but grinders of the mammoth were collected much farther down the same river near the sea in latitude seventy degrees Mixed with marine petrifactions many other places in Siberia are cited by pallas where sea-shells and fishes teeth accompany the bones of the mammoth rhinoceros and Siberian buffalo or bison bos priscus but it is not on the obi nor the yenisei but on the lena farther to the east where in the same parallels of latitude the cold is far more intense that fossil remains have been found in the most wonderful state of preservation. In seventeen seventy-two, Pallas obtained from Viluyiskoye, in latitude sixty-four degrees, from the banks of the Viluy, a tributary of the Lena, the carcass of a rhinoceros, R. rhinus, taken from the sand in which it must have remained congealed for ages the soil of that region being always frozen to within a slight depth of the surface this carcass was compared to a natural mummy and emitted an odor like putrid flesh part of the skin being still covered with black and gray hairs so great indeed was the quantity of hair on the foot and head conveyed to st petersburg that pallas asked whether the rhinoceros of the lena might not have been an inhabitant of the temperate regions of middle asia its clothing being so much warmer than that of the african rhinoceros professor brandt of st petersburg in a letter to baron alexander von humboldt dated eighteen forty six adds the following particulars respecting this wonderful fossil relic i have been so fortunate as to extract from cavities in the molar teeth of the rhinoceros. A small quantity of its half-chewed food, among which fragments of pine leaves, one-half of the seed of a polygonaceous plant, and very minute portions of wood with porous cells, or small fragments of coniferous wood, were still recognizable. It was also remarkable, on a close investigation of the head, that the blood vessels discovered in the interior of the mass appeared filled even to the capillary vessels with a brown mass coagulated blood which in many places still showed the red colour of blood after more than thirty years the entire carcass of a mammoth or extinct species of elephant was obtained in eighteen o three by mr adams much farther to the north it fell from a mass of ice in which it had been encased on the banks of the lena in latitude seventy degrees and so perfectly had the soft parts of the carcass been preserved, that the flesh, as it lay, was devoured by wolves and bears. This skeleton is still in the museum of St. Petersburg, the head retaining its integument, and many of the ligaments entire. The skin of the animal was covered, first with black bristles, thicker than horsehair, from twelve to sixteen inches in length. Secondly with hair of a reddish-brown color about four inches long and thirdly with wool of the same color as the hair about an inch in length of the fur upwards of thirty pounds weight were gathered from the wet sand-bank the individual was nine feet high and sixteen feet long without reckoning the large curved tusks a size rarely surpassed by the largest living male elephants it is evident, then, that the mammoth, instead of being naked like the living Indian and African elephants, was enveloped in a thick, shaggy covering of fur, probably as impenetrable to rain and cold as that of the musk-ox. Footnote: FLEMING, EDITOR, NEW PHILOSOPHICAL JOURNAL, NUMBER 12, PAGE 285 BISHOP HABER INFORMS US narrative of a journey through the upper provinces of india volume two page one hundred sixty six to two hundred nineteen that in the lower range of the himalaya mountains in the northeastern borders of the delhi territory between latitude twenty nine degrees and thirty degrees he saw an indian elephant of a small size covered with shaggy hair but this variety must be exceedingly rare for mr Royal late superintendent of the east india company's botanic garden at sarahunpur has assured me that being in india when heber's journal appeared and having never seen or heard of such elephants he made the strictest inquiries respecting the fact and was never able to obtain any evidence in corroboration mr royal resided at sarahunpur latitude thirty degrees north upon the extreme northern limits of the range of the elephant mr everest also declares that he has been equally unsuccessful in finding any one aware of the existence of such a variety or breed of the animal though one solitary individual was mentioned to him as having been seen at delhi with a good deal of long hair upon it the greatest elevation says mr everest at which the wild elephant is found in the mountains to the north of bengal is at a place called nahoon about four thousand feet above the level of the sea and in the thirty-first degree of northern latitude where the mean yearly temperature may be about sixty-four degrees fahrenheit and the difference between winter and summer very great equal to about thirty-six degrees fahrenheit the month of january averaging forty-five degrees and june the hottest month eighty-one degrees fahrenheit everest on climates of fossil elephants journal of asiatic society number twenty five page twenty one footnote the species may have been fitted by nature to withstand the vicissitudes of a northern climate and it is certain that from the moment when the carcasses both of the rhinoceros and elephant above described were buried in siberia in latitudes sixty four degrees and seventy degrees north the soil must have remained frozen, and the atmosphere nearly as cold as at this day. The most recent discoveries made in 1843 by Mr. Middendorf, a distinguished Russian naturalist, and which he communicated to me in September 1846, afford more precise information as to the climate of the Siberian lowlands, at the period when the extinct quadrupeds were entombed. One elephant was found on the Tas between the Obi and Yenisei, near the Arctic Circle, about latitude 66 degrees 30 minutes north, with some parts of the flesh in so perfect a state that the bulb of the eye is now preserved in the museum at Moscow. Another carcass, together with a young individual of the same species, was met with in the same year, 1843, in latitude 75 degrees 15 minutes north, near the river Tymir, with the flesh decayed. It was embedded in strata of clay and sand, with erratic blocks, at about fifteen feet above the level of the sea. In the same deposit, Mr. Middendorf observed the trunk of a large tree, Pinus laryx, the same wood as that now carried down in abundance by the Taimir to the Arctic Sea. There were also associated fossil shells of living northern species, and which are moreover characteristic of the drift or glacial deposits of Europe. Among these, Nucula pygmea, Telina calcera, Maya Troncata, and Saxicava rugosa were conspicuous. So fresh is the ivory throughout northern Russia that, according to Tilesias, thousands of fossil tusks have been collected and used in turning yet others are still procured and sold in great plenty he declares his belief that the bones still left in northern russia must greatly exceed in number all the elephants now living on the globe we are as yet ignorant of the entire geographical range of the mammoth but its remains have been recently collected from the cliffs of frozen mud and ice on the east side of Bering's straits in Eschscholtz bay in russian america latitude sixty-six degrees north as the cliffs waste away by the thawing of the ice tusks and bones fall out and a strong odor of animal matter is exhaled from the mud on considering all the facts above enumerated it seems reasonable to imagine that a large region in central asia including perhaps the southern half of siberia enjoyed at no very remote period in the earth's history a temperate climate sufficiently mild to afford food for numerous herds of elephants and rhinoceroses of species distinct from those now living it has usually been taken for granted that herbivorous animals of large size require a very luxuriant vegetation for their support But this opinion is, according to Mr. Darwin, completely erroneous. It has been derived, he says, from our acquaintance with India and the Indian Islands, where the mind has been accustomed to associate troops of elephants with noble forests and impenetrable jungles. But the southern parts of Africa, from the Tropic of Capricorn to the Cape of Good Hope, although sterile and desert, are remarkable for the number and great bulk of the indigenous quadrupeds. We there meet with an elephant, five species of rhinoceros, a hippopotamus, a giraffe, the boss kaffir, the elan, two zebras, the quagga, two gnus, and several antelopes. Nor must we suppose that while the species are numerous, the individuals of each kind are few. Doctor Andrew Smith saw in one day's march in latitude twenty-four degrees south, without wandering to any great distance on either side, about one hundred fifty rhinoceroses, with several herds of giraffes, and his party had killed, on the previous night, eight hippopotamuses. Yet the country which they inhabited was thinly covered with grass and bushes about four feet high, and still more thinly with mimosa-trees. So that the wagons of the travelers were not prevented from proceeding in a nearly direct line. End of chapter six. Part one.